0: talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend, it's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think, and I wear it like a badge of honor.
1: How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts.
0: This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade.
1: It's John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love
0: Podcast, episode 199. Joe Donald, John Mita with you. Johnny Mita, what's good, my friend?
1: How we doing, Joseph? What's happening?
0: Good, all right. Long, long time no
1: talk here. Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't have my uh, I don't have my wired in headphones for this one. I got the AirPods, and I don't, I never like the quality as much on the AirPods for whatever reason. So I'm a little bummed about that, but I don't have them handy. They're down at the office, so I got to make do with what I got to make do with here. Little early morning podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at B Love Podcast, and uh, we got a lot to dive into today. I'm doing all right, my man. Glad to hear you're hanging in there. Oh yeah. Um. Let's try and keep this podcast a bit more real than, uh, say, Bishop Sycamore. What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah. Good old Bishop Sycamore. If anybody heard that crazy story, it was like some fictitious school had a bunch of, like, junior college dropouts, and they got on national television with ESPN to play IMG Academy, which is yeah, just – Yeah, like a-, a,
0: high, a high school football <clears throat> game, but they're they're not a high school. <laughs> yeah. They're not and even a real school.
1: No, and the coach had an arrest worn out. Yeah. There's all these charges. <laughs> and I they're mean... on
0: ESPN.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. You got it
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, so many people dropped the ball at ESPN or wherever for this to occur. It's like mind blowing. Yeah. I'm sure there were some memos sent and some PP slapping at a meeting, you know. Oh. And maybe even some people got fired over this thing because. Yo, that is crazy. First of all, I'm reading some of this stuff. I'm seeing pictures. I'm seeing it. They got their doors blown off. them, by the way, it was fifty-eight to nothing. IMG yeah. won it. Yeah, uh, they're the they're the real high school. Bishop Sycamore, the the make believe wannabe high school, uh, with a bunch of guys that are probably in their twenties or older, and and they just got their butts kicked and handed to them. But yeah. Like, the photo they showed of the supposed team athletic trainer. Yeah. It was basically, like, some dude's mom with a fanny pack on. And, the fact, that the announcers throughout the broadcast were being, like, something's up here. Like, we don't have this guy on our roster. This guy wasn't listed. Like, we don't know who this player is. We were told they have these recruits. But, boy, it's not looking good for this team. Like, the fact – I wish I was watching it live.
1: Oh, it would have been classic.
0: Yeah, and just been yeah. like, what? what is going on right now? You know what I mean? And then to see it all now in hindsight and to look back and to think about how crazy this is, that nobody at ESPN did any, any research or homework to figure out that this was not a legit deal and that it was basically a scam is crazy. Like, it's just insane. We're talking about a billion Dollar industry that broadcast the biggest sporting events on the globe on a regular basis and they got duped
1: it's kind of funny man i'm not gonna lie i kind of i'm kind of <laughs> entertained by the whole thing i mean it is funny yeah but i
0: feel bad for the kids at img like you know you, you, yeah. I mean, some injuries could happen in a game like that. But think about IMG Academy; they pride themselves in being this football powerhouse, oh, yeah. basketball as well, right? And that where LeBron went.
1: Big time. Um, I don't know if LeBron went IMG, maybe, but it's it's located in Florida, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. I don't
0: know. It's just, I mean, to be a big program like that, and to be on the other side of this scam, it's also like yeah. it's another angle that I find.
1: It's, it's like a Ponzi up. scheme. It's like a Ponzi yes. scheme for sports. It's incredible. Yes. It's I love it.
0: Oh, anyway, so we got a lot to get into. Unfortunately, we have to mention Ben Simmons again because now he's in the in the uh, Philly media scene. Um, yeah. We'll talk about the very tragic passing of Jimmy Hayes, the brother of Kevin Hayes, a former NHLer. Uh, the birds have made some cuts. We'll preview their season a bit, and the fighting fills are hanging around. Uh, Johnny Mita, where do you want to
1: start? Let's uh, let's uh, hot stove, hot take. Let's uh, let's just get Ben Simmons out of the way, and maybe we'll never have to talk about him ever again.
0: Yeah, I was. If we could only that, be. I don't se- want to. If we could be. Bring se- him up again until he's traded. Can we make that deal on this? On I like Real that. Love podcast? Yes,
1: I'm. I'm all in favor of that. after this. Yes. we
0: don't reference him again until he's gone.
1: All right, I'm with it. Because I think
0: we all understand he's not playing basketball in Philadelphia this year. Even if the Sixers get absolutely nothing for him, they're going to get nothing for him. So I don't believe he'll be here. That's my take. I think a lot of people agree with that. I I think it's the most logical point of view. But he came out now and said he had a meeting with Sixers brass, apparently, and he told them he doesn't want to be here. Well, guess what, Tips? Tips. It's a mutual feeling. There's no way the Sixers brass could want them. There's no way they enjoyed that meeting, in my opinion. They were probably like, really, Ben? Well, thanks for wasting all of our time. We've been trying to trade you since last year. I say Minnesota appears to be a logical destination for a lot of people. Let's just get it done. T-Wolves get Ben Simmons, Sixers get a case of basketballs, a bunch of first-round draft picks, (laughs) and maybe some shooting guard. See you later. Get it done. Don't want to talk about this guy anymore. Hopefully his recent social media posts, his Instagram videos of him shooting jumpers and dunking without his shirt on will get some team excited. And hopefully the playoff videos and highlight reels and low-light reels, they don't make their way to whatever team he's going to. Focus on his social media videos, get hyped up, and somebody please trade for this guy. Your thoughts, Sean Meter.
1: Well, I mean, he, here's, here's the thing that's just so mind-blowing to, I think, not only me, but all the Sixers fans across the country. It's like this guy thinks that he was, like, mistreated badly here like that the fans never had his back when he was missing free throw after free throw after free throw or seemed like he was having some mental blocks. And the fans did nothing but support this guy. Now he comes out, he got his feelings hurt because Doc Rivers came out at the end of the year and said, I'm not so sure he could be a point guard on a championship team. Uh, Joel B came out and said some things. And now, you know, he's, he's got his feelings hurt. And now he wants out, like a like a like a quitter. Fine, I'm totally content with getting rid of him. The problem is this: like, first of all, you don't dictate where you're going to go. Let's just let's make that abundantly clear right now. We will trade you where we want to trade you. You don't come in, and if you start caving into players like this, it just sets a huge and a very destructive precedent, in my opinion. And I just don't think this is a time where the Sixers need to cave. You know, he wants to go. Bottom line is this. First of all, he can't go to the Lakers, okay? He's like California high, right? Because he lives in California, got his new mansion, the poolside, you know, the grill, all the homies over and everything else. Okay, you can't go to the Lakers because they can't afford you and there's no room for it. You look at another team like the Clippers. You can't go to the Clippers either because they can't afford you and they don't have room for you. The Golden State Warriors, you really can't go to the Golden State Warriors because they really can't afford you either. And you could try to make a trade and maybe get rid of some of that money. But in order for this to work, you might have to do like a three-team deal. It just sucks because like Damian Lillard, if he just come out and say, listen, I want to go to Philadelphia. We could find a way to make this process easier because then maybe we could get like if Portland didn't want some of our assets, we could get a third team and we could give them assets of two different teams and, and try to make a deal work for all sides. But you know what? I'm playing hardball with them. Like we will try to trade you and you go have your you go have your agent go get us a deal. Find us a deal somewhere. You don't want to play in Minnesota? Fantastic. Go get us a right deal. But I mean, I, I just I can't. Justify, I know just getting anybody in the trade would be better off, right? Somebody that could just even score and maybe play zero defense. But this is too high of a player, young, under contract, that you could just give away. And I just don't want to give him away, you know, with the fear that, you know, what if Damian Lillard does become available into the season when he's like Portland's struggle city doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. And I have a real clear message for Rich Paul, by the way. This is another reason why I hate LeBron James. This is another reason why I hate his stupid agency, Clutch Sports. When Rich Paul came out yesterday and said that in all likelihood, Tyrese Maxey's also going to be involved in the deal because he wants to get his client out of Philadelphia. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? I think the NBA should find him, and I know they got plenty of money, and I get it, but that's like tampering. Like... Tyrese Maxey's fine. Like, why would you even bring his name up into the discussion, get him even involved? Now the fans will be like, now they understand that the the agent's just looking like a complete fool and an idiot. But if I was Tyrese Maxey, I might even rethink my representation. I know Clutch and everything else. But, I mean, that's just ridiculous for him to bring, you know, Tyrese Maxey's name into a situation that's just so destructive. So, I, Wait, why, I just why would he do that? Well, he's mad. He's mad at the Sixers. It's his leverage point, right? His leverage point is listen, I'll get all my clients out of Philadelphia, and I'll make sure that if I represent anybody from now and in the future, that we won't even consider Philadelphia as a destination, which just is just for it's so wrong.
0: Yeah. And, I, and guess I, what? It's all smoke. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, a player can move on from you as his agent. At the end of the day, if the player wants to go sign somewhere or wants to be traded somewhere, right? You know who's Rich Paul to tell him no,
1: right? And that's why you better
0: have you're going to have a pretty weak minded player or a player with no concept or clue of how this should work if the player is going to have his life dictated by the agent. Last time I checked, the agent worked for the player. So unless Tyrese Maxey's telling you I don't like it here, as as once famously said keep
1: my name out your mouth. I, it's, it's funny you said that. I was thinking about the same thing. I was going to call another one of the local radio stations here and say the same thing. It's just absurd. But I'm with you. Just get rid of them. Listen, if the best deal you can get is, you know, from the Golden State Warriors, Jane, uh, Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and a couple first-round picks, so big. I mean, I just, but uh, Philadelphia has the eye on the prize, and I don't know what they have to do, but we need Joel to go out on a recruiting trip out in Portland yeah, and amen. find a way. You know what I mean? Like just, yep. He He's so good at that. I mean, you know, he was able to get Dwight Howard to sign here, but I think he can be very persuasive. And the fit would be absolutely perfect, and it would really give them a, a legitimate shot to, to win the whole thing if they're able to acquire him. Because I don't know that – there's not many other like pieces out there like like the T Wolves. Okay, D'Angelo Russell. Like they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna give you, they're not gonna give you uh, Edwards, the shooting guard that I like because you know he had a tremendous rookie year. So I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, they can't. They can't if they're trying. Anthony to Edwards. Ben Timmons, if they're trying yeah. to acquire Ben Simmons to take the next step of the franchise, say what you will about that. They can't dismantle their franchise in the process. Yeah. You know, they got to give up future assets
1: and picks and stuff. But, I mean, it, it would be fun- It would be funny to send them to Minnesota. I mean, just because how cold, you know what I mean? It would be like a yeah. total shock to them. It would, just it be-, would be. So, the but, fight in
0: Phil's John meter hanging around. They yep. won again last night with a very impressive uh, six-run, sixth inning, I think it was. Uh, to erase what was looking like it could be the end of their winning streak. And all of a sudden now, they've won five in a row, and they're two and a half out of the division. And the once upon a time wild card, which looked damn near impossible, has now become a reality. They're two and a half out of the wild card as well. The Reds have lost three in a row, so they've gained on them. Um, The Braves have lost two in a row for the division lead, so they've gained on them. And it's 68 and 64 with a lineup most nights that I don't even recognize some of the names. Like last (laughs) night, this Beerling guy played. had never heard him. He had four hits. Um, Listen, I'm not going to give one ounce of credit to Joe Girardi. Not one. Not one. Not one. My disdain for him probably rivals how I thought about Charlie Manuel when he first took over. Wow. And things were not going well. Chuck had a grow on me. All right. I'm not giving Girardi any credit, not until this thing is done, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered, and they make the postseason, and I'll at least give him some credit for dealing with a crap hand. I want to say a couple of things. Dave Dombrowski, all right? Say what you will about the offseason signings of a Matt Moore and a Chase Anderson, but his trade deadline moves have paid dividends. It took three weeks, yes, for Freddie Galvis to actually play a baseball game for the Phillies, but he's been pretty good since. Um Ian Kennedy, he's given up some dingers. He's blown one save, but for the most part, he's been a good back end of the bullpen, and I guess what you'd call a closer, given the fact that this team had none, and is still blowing saves at a record pace. And finally, Kyle Gibson has been outstanding. So, did not give up a lot, by all indications, First of all, the farm system stinks, so what were you giving up? And to get three guys that have contributed in a positive way, I'd love to see the war of those three players for the Phillies. Uh, probably could have looked that up because they feel like they've had a good impact and kept this team afloat. Um, the Travis Yankowskis and Ronald Perez's and, you know, all these other guys are just plugging in the spots. I guess you got to give the here or the staff some credit for giving these guys an opportunity, but they've had no choice. Uh, the lineup is bare thin. The pitching is hit or miss. But here we are, September 1st, and the Phillies, once again, are in the thick of it. We've seen the last two Septembers. This team has gone in the tank. They've been terrible. Bryce Harper seems like a man on a mission this year. He's destined for a playoff spot, it appears, to, to literally will this team in there. We'll see if, despite all the injuries and now losing Reese Hoskins for the season, and this team can get it done. But at least we have meaningful September baseball again.
1: Yeah, I mean it's <clears throat> this team is just so up and down. It's kind of crazy, right? They get on fire, they they eight game win streak, and then they just lose like four in a row. And then they're up and down, and then they're a game over five hundred. Then they're two games under five hundred. Now they're back over five hundred. Now that it's the, the thing, Imagine. is – yeah, it, it's crazy. Listen, they, they if, they, if
0: they don't hit, they have no shot, right? Because their pitching is not dominant right. right even if wheelers on the mound they don't have a shot because at some point he comes out of the game the bullpen gives it up or he gives up you know you you're stretching him the other night he's throwing 100 some pitches into the ninth inning in a game they don't even end up winning and it's like what are you doing but I just, if they don't hit they've got no shot
1: no i'm i'm with it and i what can you say about the way kyle gives in his pitch i mean talk about i mean he's kind of like It's nice to see because like maybe moving forward, you know, you have like a decent fourth starter, you know, between a third and a fourth starter that maybe you could that could be in your rotation long term. I mean, he's been he's been phenomenal. He just he's not flashy, he just he just hits his spots and he just, you know, he's an innings eater. I mean, he gets you six, seven innings, and that's what you need. And I feel like now also too, I feel like We've always talked, or I always talk about, like bullpen, right, and having defined roles, like, oh, this is your seventh inning guy, or this is your long guy, or this is. And I feel like Girardi is now has kind of a better feel of who to put in at certain spots, so that I think that's also contributed to why why they're doing a little better. Um, but we'll see. I mean, their schedule, right? I mean, we talked about it. they they have the easiest schedule than coming down the stretch than the Braves do, and so it's still gonna be there for the taking. It's nice that we are in September and they're still relevant. So Yeah,
0: and I and I will add this with the easy schedule. Right. gotta got, And I listen, what Atlanta's done without Ronald Acuna Jr. has been very impressive. Very impressive.
1: Well they got you, like they got like six players that have hurt hit like did you see that? It's like five or six players that have already hit thirty home runs. Have you seen that? I have not,
0: but I'm assuming it's Riley. Freeman, yeah. maybe Albies,
1: yeah, definitely. Swanson, but I mean, it's, maybe, yeah. It's either thirty home runs or twenty home runs. Maybe it's twenty home runs. Yeah, it's probably. Five, I, I think it's five, I, think, I, think, I think it's twenty home runs. But I mean, that's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And listen, I, I,
0: again, I, I come back to with this baseball team, they just have to hit. They have to. They got to cut down the strikeouts. They got to pump the ball in play. They need McCutcheon, you know, to to continue to do what he's done runs. They need Gregorius to get back off the paternity list here and contribute and not 15 or whatever. They need Was really it so Gregorius or
1: Jankowski? Both of them. Oh, they both have babies.
0: Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, I know. Can we get our timing down a little bit dude. more? It's September dude, baseball, dude. you got guys on paternity leave. Um, but listen, this team, uh, they got to go for the division title, the wild card, whatever it'd be a one game, one game wild card showdown against the Dodgers. I think we know how that's going to go. So you got to win the division so that you can at least get yourself a best of five because that three inning massacre against LA, uh, if you win the wild card and you get that one game, you know, wild card spot one against wild card spot two. I don't think they have a prayer, and I don't think that's a a newsflash. So, set the sights on the division, my man. We'll see what happens. I do want to give one more sort of stick tap to Ranger Suarez. Because this guy has been unflappable. He's been out of the bullpen. He's been a starter. And he has been a relatively pleasant surprise. And I will add this to it. This has been driving me freaking crazy. All right? It took what? Two weeks, maybe three weeks, for them to quote unquote stretch out Rangers Forest.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? From bullpen to starter. Now sure. he's throwing 80-some pitches, six innings, and in his starts. Yeah. When he's going. I'm still waiting for an answer on why Spencer Howard couldn't get stretched out in three freaking months.
1: <laughs> Remember? Yeah. How it's many times a... is
0: Spencer Howard on a pitch count? Yeah. In the no, June that... and July, dude. Before they Man. traded him, he was still, oh, Joe said we'll give about 35 pitches from him today. What? Man. Ranger Suarez got stretched out in in literally a half a month. So what am I missing here? And why is nobody talking about this?
1: I don't know, but it, it'll be interesting to follow Spencer Howard's career. Like, if he comes out to be a starter, you're really going to have to uh... – look at the development side of things and you also mentioned that and i don't know if people know this as well but the phillies dave dombrowski made some major moves as far as realigning um the organization when it comes yeah, to firing
0: um, some people too
1: like firing a bunch of people like in the scouting department kind of just trying to revamp the whole thing so it'll be interesting to see how that plays over the next couple of years Again, we won't know these guys from an absolute can of paint, <laughs> so I can't tell you like, "Oh my God, what a great hire to, you know, bring in Jimmy Chipwood to watch the, uh, you know, yeah. basically monitor the uh, the South America baseball." So we'll see, but
0: yeah, well, uh, they need an upgrade in that in that area. Oh, I
1: mean, they listen. This the farm system has hamstrung this team for the last decade. I mean, it's just clear and obvious. The reason why the Phillies won the World Series in two thousand eight. Is because basically most of that talent was homegrown. Period.
0: Yep, hundred percent. All right, Johnny Mita, uh, let's keep it rolling here again. Birds, Follow birds, birds. Happy love podcast. Let's go to the birds. They've made breaking together.
1: news, Joe. Breaking news just came through. What do you got? Breaking news: Jalen Hurts is named the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Breaking that is news.
0: breaking news. That yeah. is. I felt like that just sounded. Yeah, the, I know.
1: The, we – Breaking, breaking news,
0: news siren. Like, yeah. You know, I,
1: uh,
0: oh, uh, well, the, the one thing that was breaking news from the <laughs> announcement of their quote unquote starters, I yeah. just saw this before he jumped on it. That said Jordan Mailata was named the left tackle starter. Yeah. And at least that shows they're not being totally dumb with, uh, with how they're constructing this roster and making their coaching decisions. Um before I ask you about any surprises on the initial 53-man roster, Howie did say they would definitely add some players in the coming days. Now, you got to remember, no fourth preseason game. Cuts are made. You get right. sort of like a bye week before the regular season, so that's a little different. But, John, meet Have you liked how the birds have handled the preseason with the starters not really playing at all? I think 10 snaps for Jalen Hurts, who you just said, is QB1. Uh, many teams – that have had way more success recently than the Eagles went with the more logical and uh, at times the tried and true approach, which is play your guys, get them some reps. I know some media members are questioning locally in Philly, how they've handled this thing. What do you think about the birds and the fact that guys just didn't play?
1: Um, I think it's horrible to be honest. I think it's a formula for disaster. I think, well, we're, we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out if you're prepared to play Atlanta in week one. And if they come out rusty as hell, you they can just blame themselves. Now, listen, I get it. They've had so many injuries over the last five years, soft tissue injuries, guys in and out of the lineup. Look at last year with 15 different offensive line combinations. Get it, is to keep everyone healthy. The problem is this, right? You have a new coaching staff, right, brand new. He's also a brand-new play caller. So he's never called plays his entire lifetime. So now they're coming up with a system, where how he calls in the play, then it goes to this guy, then it goes to that guy. Listen, this is all stuff you need to work on. The perfect time to do that is in the preseason. Now, I get it. Jalen Hurts had the stomach ache the one game he didn't play. But I'd be damned if he wasn't going to play a half of football in that third preseason game, knowing that that's going to be their last football action, for two weeks. And don't give me these idiot beat writers. And yeah, I'll call out LHR or parses. I know you don't listen. But to come out and say <laughs> that. Uh, to come out and say like, oh, the Eagles are 4-0 in joint practices. What the hell does that even mean? How can you even how can you even equate a victory in a practice? It's not live. That means nobody can tackle the quarterback. And this is what I want to see. I'm going to see Jalen Hurts under a pass rush. I'm going to see him with his new shiny toy, Devontae Smith, out there. Can they get their timing down? There's so many things, even with the new offensive linemen in and out, like guys that have been injured coming back just to get themselves back in football shape. You're not going to really understand how great the speed of the game is unless it's live. So, no, I think they did themselves a disservice. Look at what Andy Reid did, and he's a bit of a hammer. I mean, he has some of the hardest training camps. that Players describe how hard his camps are. You know, they're probably the most grueling camps in NFL. And he played Patrick Mahomes and his starters a full entire head. And he said, I have so many different offensive linemen. I'm really trying to get them to get that continuity down. That's what we need. We'll see. And they come out, they come out and smoke Atlanta. I'll be like, yeah, I'm an idiot. I love the way they're doing things. Now, I know a guy like Sean McVay with the Rams. He doesn't play his starters all that long. And I get that. And you want to see other guys trying to make your football team. But at the same time, when this is so new to you and you're in a new system, the only way to get better and and to progress is to practice in live game situations. And you know what I don't like either? We turn the ball over to the defensive side of things. Like It's all vanilla playbook, and I get it. I absolutely get it. You don't want to put anything on tape for your opponents. I completely understand. My whole thing is this. If you're not blitzing players, if you're not putting them in situations that they're going to find themselves in the regular season, how do you know how they're going to read and react to those types of things? You don't know that. So I I just – just, just not a fan of it.
0: And, Johnny, made it on top of that, like, who are you trying to fool other than Atlanta? Because once you play Atlanta, guess who has tape? everybody else you're playing. You're you really talking about trying to keep a vanilla for one team week one. And you're not even getting your reps in to be ready for week one, it would seem. And to your injury point, I get it. However, you could argue that when guys aren't ready for game play, they're yes. not game conditioned, they Great can get point. hurt
1: easy, more easily anyway. You know? Um, it's football. It's a physical sport. People are going to get yeah. hurt. I get yeah. it. But I'm with you. You know, what happens if somebody comes out and pulls a hammy right away because they're not in game shape?
0: Let me ask you this. Yes. Do you think there's any logic to this at all or any, I don't want to say conspiracy theory, but like –
1: You know I love a good conspiracy theory. I know
0: you do. Do you think at all
1: (laughs) that the birds would
0: be willing to start slow this season, knowing the schedule gets easier, and figuring they'll they'll get their they'll work out the kinks the first couple of weeks, record whatever it is, mm-hmm. because their schedule in the back half is on paper easier and they have a chance to get continuity and chemistry and make their push late in the year.
1: You know, I've heard people say that, but my whole thing is this, why not start out hot? I mean it's not
0: gonna kill you, right? Like I well, mean I, I get I it. would say their roster's not good enough to give right. themselves no margin for error, right? Well, right, right? Like, if you start two and five, you yeah. know, and you got to go, you know, now the 17-game schedule and you got to win eight games down the stretch, you know, and go uh, eight and two or eight, whatever the numbers are, like, you don't have the talent, we don't think, to be able to go like, oh, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win no question here, we'll win six in a row Like, Like, this team's not good enough, right? It's a four-win football team from last year. So that would make me nervous. The other side of it is maybe management is dictating all of this, which we think they probably are, which is why they brought in a yes-man first-year head coach. And on top of all that, there could be the, hey, we don't care if we only win three games this year because we don't believe in Jalen Hurts, and we know the higher our first-round picks are, the more capital we have, the better our draft chances next year.
1: Yeah, I mean.
0: And if they're punting on this season and we find that out early, I'm going to be one unhappy individual.
1: No, I mean, I think talent-wise, listen, they have some pieces. I agree. Yeah, I think, now, look, how
0: how can the defense be any worse than
1: last year? How could it be any worse? It can't. They've upgraded at safety position. They got another yeah. corner. They um, didn't lose anybody, right? No, that, and it looks that was, like that was good. No, they made a couple additions on the D line, um. So I, no, I, I think right. they and brought a in a, a, another linebacker, yeah, and a new coordinator who so I think is going to make a world and he's of difference. Going to
0: emphasize takeaways. So the defense, let's just say,
1: you know, they
0: they they take away the ball more, and yeah. nothing else. Right, that gives you short fields, gives you, um, you know, more opportunities to score, whatever, like. I I just – I don't see any way the defense is worse. Yeah. Okay? And if that's the case, then you're looking at the offensive side. Right. If they stay somewhat healthy – I mean, Carson Wentz was terrible last year. So if they stay healthy and Devontae Smith gives you an upgrade, I I think this is a better football team. I mean – no right. I... I expect this team. This may be chaos. I'm I'm fired up. I I don't want to say I'm fired up like I'm dialed into all the roster moves and who's going to be starting where. And I'm sure there's right. gonna be guys week one I've never heard of. I'm not locked in like like the dream team year or Super Bowl or bust. Right. But I think this team is going to su- surprise some people. Like I think this is a. I think this can be a ten and seventeen.
1: Yeah, I mean it's. A lot has to fall our way, but I, I definitely see them winning. I think they could definitely win eight games. I know a lot of people are like four games, six games, but I just – I don't know. I, I think they're better than that.
0: The Eagles were a minus 10 in turnover differential last year. Listen, Chip Kelly, came in a,
1: Chip Kelly came in and won 10 games right away his first season, so it's not out of the realm of possibility.
0: Yeah, I listen, I think it can be done. I think it really is predicated
1: on a on a good start, which takes us right to And health and health. The big thing is health, man. If their offensive line, defensive line stay healthy throughout the course of the year and they don't have any other major injuries to like a key spot. Yeah. I, I, I I we'll see. I mean I don't know
0: what my expectations are for the offense or the defense or what it's going to look like. It's nice to have
1: no expectations. That's what I think. If
0: if we know the defense is going to be better, just logically they have to be better, although we all thought the Phillies' bullpen would be better just by changing everything, and we'll see what
1: happens. That's a fact. But
0: if they turn the ball over more, like defense getting it back for the offense, and they have a healthier offensive line, I, they can't be worse. So, you know, we'll see where they go. To me, week one is a huge key. I know that sounds crazy, 17-week season, but if they can keep Pitts under control, I think the linebacker can be the absolute key to that game because Mike Davis is the Falcon starting running back from what I understand. He's a yeah. bulldozer, but he's long in the tooth, And Pitts yeah. could be an absolute game changer. You let Matt Ryan sit back there and have a wide open field to pick apart your secondary and linebackers, yeah. Well, I think long day in Atlanta,
1: I, I think that is the greatest strength to the team is the Eagles' defensive line. Between they said Javon Hargraves is really coming on, he came on late last season. You know, between him, Fletcher Cox, you got Barnett, you got Josh Sweat, you got Brandon Grammel, reliable, you signed Ryan Kerrigan. They have some young guys that have done some things, so um. I don't know, all their draft picks actually made the roster, which was very interesting, but except one, but um, yeah, no, I think we'll see. You know, I think turnovers, you know, taking care of the ball in turnovers that's that's the success. How you win in the NFL, take care they of the ball, come, take the ball away, you're going to end up on the good side of things.
0: They got to come out of the first four games at two and two or better,
1: yeah, and I, I like think it. they can do that. I, I think
0: to. they can do that. I, I think people are higher on the 49ers than they should be. You know, I know they lost in the Super Bowl two years ago, and then they were banged up, and then now have their starting quarterback, and they were a grease fire last year. But, you know, that doesn't to me mean that they're just going to be right back on track as NFC contenders, although Vegas would tell you otherwise. Uh, you got the Cowboys in week three and the Chiefs in week four. I think we all know whether the Chiefs are playing on Mars or in Kansas City or, in this case, Philadelphia. They might yeah. be Eagles by 60. But if you can find a way to go two and two through the first four and maybe three and three through the first six, you then have the Raiders, the Lions, the Chargers, the Broncos in four straight weeks. That's a chance to maybe go three and one and have yourself a good football team. Now here's my bold prediction. Having said that, I've just made it like middle of the road. Just go two and two, go three and three. Here's my prediction for you. Are you ready, John? Meter? Give it to me. The Philadelphia Eagles will enter their home game against the Chiefs on October the 3rd at the lake at a perfect 3 and 0. Okay, let's go. Let's I go like baby. I like it. All right, what do you got uh, anything else before I just quickly touch on the tragic passing of Jimmy You, Hayes?
1: why don't you touch on that? Go for it. Oh uh,
0: man. You know, you s- went so Jimmy Hayes, pro hockey player. I don't think I'd realized how many games he'd played in the NHL 300 plus. Wow. Age of 31, couple of young kids passed away very tragically and suddenly the other day. Uh, the day after, I believe, his two year old's birthday party, mm. very much out of the blue and shook the hockey world uh, in a lot of ways to its core. Since then, you've seen and read and heard just a lot of glowing stories about what a great guy he was and an inspiration to kids in the Boston area. I mean, Here's a Boston suburb kid that ended up playing for the Bruins, which is everybody's dream. You know, if you're a hockey kid growing up in Boston. So an inspiration to a lot of folks. Obviously, Kevin, his brother, plays for the Flyers. Um, It's just, it's one of those things where you see this and then everybody's like, hey, you know, tomorrow's not promised, right? Um, Tell your loved ones you love them. And that's not an easy thing to always do, and we we get busy, and you know days go by, but I think it's just a reminder of how fleeting life can be, how it's not always fair. And this is a very tragic passing. You now Jimmy Hayes came to Iowa Wild Training Camp a couple of years ago, so I did get a chance to meet him. Uh, I mean, I booked his flight coming to Iowa. When he got cut from the team, I booked his flight to go home. He played in a couple of preseason games or one preseason game for us in North Dakota. Uh, and basically, it was a, if I remember correctly, it was a favor from Bill Guerin. Billy G knew him. And when Bill Garrett took over Minnesota, he gave him a try, you know, hey, basically a tryout to our camp. Because I think his career was obviously coming to an end. And he wanted maybe one last shot. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure about this, but we cut him. And that was the year that was halted by the pandemic, the 1920 season. And he obviously didn't play after that. I'm wondering if Jimmy Hayes' last pro hockey game was the preseason game with the Iowa Wild North Dakota. Oh, Because wow. I don't believe he played again after, which is kind of crazy now looking back on it. But seemed like a good guy. Um, you know, was by no means – you know, a, a little – I don't want to say – Look, he was a pro. He played 300 games in the NHL. So, like, he knew how things should work at a training camp at the minor league level. But he didn't come in as some type of, like, hey, give me this, give me that for the couple days he was in town. Um, Seemed like a friendly enough guy. And by all accounts, and I mean all accounts around the hockey world, just an unbelievable personality, community figure, and locker room character. Um, and, And achieved his dreams. So RIP to Jimmy Hayes, just a terrible, terrible loss for um, yeah. the Hayes family. And, and, you know, he was a big-time podcaster with the Missing Curfew podcast, which is a big hockey podcast, probably second in line to Spitting Chicklets as far as like a player, former player run kind of upbeat and light podcast. Um, and, and he'll be missed on that platform. Uh, just really sad stuff. I feel for Kevin Hayes. I wonder how this will affect him. And obviously it leaves behind a wife and young kids. And that's just such a terrible situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have heard Kevin Hayes share just like a beautiful story about, um, uh, you know, about this kid that was terminally ill and Jimmy Hayes, like brought him in a locker room and the guy got to make his favorite player, David Creechie or, and just like, just the stories you hear, it sound like he was just a tremendous individual. And just like you said before, Jerry, you touched on, you know, saying goodbye to your loved ones. Um, you know, from my personal experience, you know, I lost my wife and um, the greatest gift that I had um, that she gave us or one of them was for her to just let me know that things were winding down. And it gave me the opportunity to get some of the most important people in our life there to, to, to have that chance to say goodbye to her. And that was one of those things that it's just that I'll never forget the outpouring of people that just showed up on one day's notice. And it happened to be July 4th. Right. So um, for everybody's all that's you know, spread out across everywhere, across the country, you know, during that time. And it's just uh, so, yeah, I'm with you, man. You never know. Um, life is too short. We should really, you know, live every day like I always said all the time, live every day like it's your last. And. You know i don't say that to be grim i just say that because you know each day is a gift i'm staring at something on the wall that your brother-in-law gave me on my wall that says each day is a gift and you couldn't be right and uh you know Austin, i'll give a quick spread of love i just want to spread the love to um uh, you know the 13 soldiers that lost their lives in afghanistan um and it's an absolute tragedy most of these soldiers uh young men and women you know under the age of like they were like in their 20s they were kids and You know, just thank all the servicemen in this country for for what they do in preserving our freedoms because, bar none, this is the best place to live anywhere, anywhere. And um, and the sacrifices that they make each and every day so that we can breathe the air and do the things that we want to do. And, you know, big stick tap to them, to the armed services in this country because um, without them, you know, we wouldn't have the freedoms that we enjoy each and every day here.
0: Very well said, my friend. Perfect way to wrap it up. Uh, next epi will be number 200 we appreciate all the love and support and uh, go birds, go Phils
1: that's it go birds, go Phils to the Super Bowl Joey
0: I love it, alright Johnny, you're the man we'll talk all right, soon. You got thanks everybody for tuning in,
1: appreciate Until it
0: next time, it is the Brotherly Love podcast we will no longer mention the name Ben Simmons Shit. <laughs>
1: so-